0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can always visit our website for more information at vineyardchurch.us. In addition to each week's message, we wanted to have some time for conversations. Pull back the curtain a bit. Here's a quick rundown for today. Aaron spent some time with Johnny and Sharon talking through a few new building updates, and then in closing, we'll hear more about the upcoming Revelation class, a great conversation between Joy Bruno and Aaron McCarter
1: Hey everybody, uh, this is Aaron and I am here with uh, Johnny Williams our executive pastor. Hey Johnny. Uh, hey And uh, Sharon McCarter, my my bride and Hello. our youth pastor and the regional leader, good bishop and all sorts of all sorts of things. Um and we are the three of us, uh, Team Twelve Twenty Five, which is a really stupid name. And uh, Johnny, why don't, you, why don't you tell us the story of how we ended up with uh, this this wonderful Team Twelve Twenty Five? I could, name? but
0: because you love it so much, I will defer <laughs> to you, and because I hate it so much, okay. I will defer to okay. you.
1: So, so we. <laughs> Uh, Sharon, Johnny, and I are kind of leading the efforts as we work on a, a move and as we look to move. And we are going to move to our new address, which is just down the road from where we're at now. The address is 1225. Um, I pointed out to my wife, who you may know is completely obsessed with all things Christmas. She's just bursting with Yuletide cheer 12 months a year. I pointed out the 1225 is december 25th like that's the date i noticed that before she did which was shocking it really was she lit up like a christmas tree she just (laughs) immediately was beaming um johnny was rolling his eyes so far into the back of his head i was concerned for his (laughs) well-being and then he said team 1225 um for the name of our group with genuine disdain i mean i think real angst he hates it and then Sharon and I just jumped all over it, and now because Johnny hates it, I insist on calling his team twelve twenty-five at all times. <laughs>
0: Is that fair, Johnny? Does that's read that right, the right um, story. That's fair, <laughs> and
2: it yep. still always makes me happy.
1: And it always makes—I know every time I mention it, it's the three of his meeting. Yep. Johnny rolls his eyes, Sharon beams, and I'm happy because mostly because Johnny's annoyed. <laughs> anyway, we um, are—I guess. Just over halfway through our 90-day due diligence period, as you probably already know, we uh, agreed to terms to purchase a building a mile down the street from where we are at now. So, Johnny, if you could, can you give us an update on this this due diligence period? How's it going? Where are we at with all that?
0: Yeah, so um, if you don't know what a due diligence period is, um, it is just a period after you sign a contract on a building that you have to just cover all of your bases, Um, to make sure everything's in line with with what you want and uh, all that stuff. So so we closed on uh, the property at 1225 William Blunt Drive um, on May 10th. And for the last three months, we have been working really hard to – Figure out um, all the stuff there is to figure out about this building, including mm. inspections, surveys. Um, Buildings ta- have secrets. Yes, they yeah. they do. Luckily, it's a metal building, which has less secrets than uh-huh. a you know a regular building with a crawl space and foundations. But um, so yeah, we've done inspections, we've done surveys, we've talked to the county about a couple of different issues, including sewer. And um, if we want to expand one day, we've got we got the okay to do that from from the county. Um, we've talked to an architect which I think Sharon's going to talk to you about a little bit more here in a minute um, we've got financing um, secured for the building um, The yeah the periods uh, went remarkably smooth and mm-hmm. you know, remarkably easy so far yeah so there's a whole bunch of things
1: we just have to look into in order to do you know to steward the opportunity well and so far I don't think it's an exaggeration to say we've just gotten good answers on on all the stuff we haven't mm-hmm unlocked any horrible secrets or any any dark unexpected twists or turns like i it seems like just really on track
0: absolutely yeah yeah
1: so sharing this number of stuff that's kind of going on now that we're working on now you know while johnny's doing all that stuff what else is happening as we try to move this thing forward
2: yeah, we're really excited. We finally picked our architect that we are working with right now. He's a local guy. He has tons of experience um, working on churches. He has attended church his whole life. He understands the way churches operate. So yeah. um, he's been really good to work with, and it's been a really good um, process so far. So all that's going really smoothly. Um, we've been working with him um, and our staff on the design and the layout of the building. Um, and that's, you know, not been an easy process just because we have a huge wish list as one yeah. might imagine um and so we're just trying to do our best to make every square foot count um, so we want this building to work best for us we want it to feel like us uh, right now it does mm-hmm. not look or feel like us no and so- it does not so changing a lot of it is, as a process, it's not cheap, but I think it'll be really worth it um, mm-hmm. for it to really feel like our building and, and be able to do the ministry and have the function that we wanted to have. It's
1: a little bit like, like House Hunters, where like at the beginning of the episode, they're like, this is... This is our must haves and it's like ten million things. It's like and this is our budget and their budget is super tiny and they're and then the people who know what they're talking about have to find a nice way to say, You're out of your mind. Yeah. And so it's just a process of going, okay, what do we really, really value? Mm-hmm. What what really is a must have, what is indispensable, what you know, so and that's that's just kinda hard. It's a lot of deliberation. Yeah,
2: and the but truth it's is, going well. We're on track. It's going well, but it's not over. You know, I mean yeah. the plans so he's drawing the plans up, the official plans up next week. We have a few Few more decisions we have to make this weekend, um, but and then he's drawing them up next week, and then you know again, I guess there there might be a time where we have to say, oh no, we can't do that, or we have to do this. But yeah. honestly, we've been sort of geeking out a little bit on um, ratios and percentages mm-hmm. because the, the one thing that has worked really well in our current building is that our kids ministry and our adult ministry have sort of um, they've all sort of risen together. They've been like when the sanctuary is full, the kids rooms are full, mm-hmm. and it's been really um, just a really Good ratio that way, and so we have done the math where we're going to be in this new building and and have almost the exact same ratios uh, yeah. of kids to youth and stuff. So, anyways, we're geeking, we're geeking out on that kind of stuff. We're pumped about having a new preteen space. We're pumped about having an adult classroom finally. Um, we're even going to have a separate room for you know our kids and families with special needs. We've mm-hmm. that's something that is a growing ministry and need in our mm-hmm. church, and so we're excited about that. Um, so, yeah, there's just so many things that hopefully. Uh, Will work much better for us there than than does right now here.
1: Yeah, I'm so fired up. There's just it, there's just more space, man, and we've just needed yeah. more space for a really long time. Yeah, and it makes such a huge difference. Um, Johnny, if you guys don't know what Johnny does he's he's details um he's like big picture leadership and details at the same time so johnny are, what what details are we missing here what else do we need to tell folks
0: yeah um sharon was talking about you know having more space i think it's good for people to know that the new building is almost double the size mm-hmm. of our current building and um i talked about you you know, maybe one day long ways down the road, um, maybe expanding and getting the okay from the county to go ahead and, and do that one day. Um, and the reason we're able to do that's because there's there com- there's a lot of land that comes with this building. Um mm-hmm. um double the amount of land that we currently have. Um oh, more like quadruple yeah, the amount absolutely. of land that we currently um, have. and we've been landlocked for so
1: long and we've tried everything, guys. We've had we've like seriously had conversations about whether or not we could tunnel under William Blunt Drive. <laughs> <laughs> and use the land across the street, or could we build a bridge, like a bed, like a pedestrian bridge across it? We've talked to all our neighbors to see yeah. if we could buy their land.
2: I wanted a zip line.
1: Like we are the yes, we are the very definition of landlocked, and we have been for a decade, and that ends now, <laughs> or yeah. it ends soon.
0: Um So, just a couple of details: we officially close on the new building on august 31st Mm -hmm. um and so at that point we will start right into the renovation period um start moving walls and doing all the stuff and um so that's exciting There's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on um the i think the biggest news that um right now is as of today which i think we're recording on august 4th mm-hmm. um we have officially went under contract on our current building mm-hmm. um so you know that's really exciting to that Sell was, our current building. yes to, yep. to sell our current building um and with that comes a contingency in that sale that the the new owners are going to lease it back to us mm-hmm. while we do the renovations down the road so so we'll have a place to to continue to meet and do all of the ministry and we won't be homeless for the next year. <laughs> That's it's so, such a blessing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, those details yet to be worked out. Absolutely. But it's like it's really great news that yeah. guys, God's just orchestrated this whole process. Mm. <laughs> he really, really has. I've felt genuinely carried along. And this feels like I mean, it's not final, oh, we'll work out the details, but this kind of feels like the next step of God Absolutely. just just taking care
0: of his yeah. church. Yeah. And mm. as of right now, I mean these dates could change, but we're we're currently set to close on our current building and start leasing it from the new owners on September 16th. Yeah. So That's yeah. fantastic. It's exciting.
1: Timing is really really good. Yeah. Share anything you want to add?
2: Just the I mean, on the timing factor, on the timing piece, um, it has just really felt like God's timing, which means that it's the right timing, you know, mm-hmm. like obviously, we have been landlocked forever, we've had space issues forever. Um, but buildings have been hard to come by. Um, especially when we have the size church that we have, when we have people in this church that come from every direction of the county and Mm -hmm. even neighboring counties. And so the fact that this is just a few blocks away, it just feels miraculous, to be honest. And so the second it came up, we jumped at it and a lot of Mm -hmm. people jumped at it. So again, it feels like God's timing and God's favor Mm -hmm. um, that we got it. Um, Also, I love the fact that the building is right across the street from William Blunt High School. Uh, our youth ministry is just keeps growing and growing. And we have students from literally every single school, um, in this County and homeschool. I love that. But the fact that we're right across the street from a high school just gives us a really good opportunity for a lot of outreach. Like all those schools go to that school to play sports and games and, and we want to cheer kind of everyone on. Um, and so, yeah, we're super excited about that. Um, Another thing just about God's timing, really, it just feels like our church is in such a good place. You mm-hmm. know, it's been a hard few years for churches everywhere, but um, for us, our church just really feels like we have momentum back. Mm-hmm. we're we've been growing in all the ways, you know, yeah. It feels like we're growing spiritually or numerically mm-hmm. um, and financially. like we're in the strongest place financially we've ever been in. And so it just feels right and clear that this is like, God. It's the next step. It's just what we're supposed to do. And so I feel like that helps us have just a ton of faith, um, because it just is really clear that it's the Lord.
1: I mean, obviously we've, we've thought and we've talked and we've prayed and we've, we've done all, we haven't skipped any steps, but the truth is there's just been no like hand wringing behind the scenes going, well, is this really God's will or is this Mm -hmm. God's plan? It's like, it's been so obvious and clear that God has been directing this whole process that, I'm sleeping well at night. I'll put it it that way. Okay, well, that's a building update. And if you guys uh, just, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast feed and there will continue to be updates. Unfortunately, this will be a long process. Uh, It's hard to get renovations done. Things take longer than they used to. Um, It's all involved. Uh, But we will continue to give updates on this podcast feed from Team 1225 or, or whoever we can get to sit behind the microphone. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, this is Aaron, and I'm here with my friend, Joey Bruno. Oh, Joe or Joey? Joey. Joey, Joe. doesn't matter. Okay. Joey, Joe, Joey. Call him whatever you want to call him. I'm here with Joey. Hey, Joey. <laughs> How you doing, Aaron? <laughs> I call him Joey. Um, uh, Joey's been in our church for a little while now, and... Uh, Man, from the first time I got to sit down and talk with him, he reached out via email and pretty much right out of the gate, I was like, oh, I, I like this guy. This is a thoughtful guy. He's asking the type of questions that pastors hope new people to the church will ask. And um, in short order, uh, Joe, you become a, uh, a friend and somebody that um, I trust, somebody that I ask uh, to walk with, and when I have prayer needs, I call, and I have questions. I've figured out you're quite the theological mind, <laughs> um, and so uh, it, you've been a, a resource to me. So um, I, I just appreciate that. Um, appreciate the way you've you jumped into the life of our church, um, and I'm really fired up about um, this class that you've got coming up, um, where we're gonna. You are going to spend a number of weeks working through and teaching through the book of Revelation. We'll get to that in a bit, but man, that's a that's a serious endeavor. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> you said something to me about, what was it, uh, uh, your wife was noticing... Um, the sheer quantity of oh, yeah. commentaries. Books, it, books up. are piling up
3: for sure. The like, Amazon drivers, they hate me right now.
1: <laughs> it sounded like we were approaching the thousands of pages um, that, yeah. were <laughs> that were being consumed. So It's climbing for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate all of that, but I already know you. Um, not everybody does. Uh, take just a minute, man. Tell us Tell us who you are, tell us about your family, what you do, that type of stuff. Whatever you think we might need to know as an introduction.
3: Yeah, Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, my name is Joey Bruno. I grew up on the West Coast, actually, Phoenix, Arizona, Southern California, so I'm one of those people. However, I'm not recently relocated, so I came out here back in, I guess, 2007, a little before that, when I came out here for college and um, went to Bryan College down in Dayton, Tennessee met my wife there. Kind of a funny story there that maybe we'll get to at some point. Um, But uh, got married um, right after college and ended up um, doing a couple different things. Uh, My background was in theology. That's what I went to school for. Um, The Lord and His mercy really kept me from going down that road to some extent. I was planning to pursue some more academic routes over in uh, Europe. Um, But then the Lord and His mercy really spared me from that and um, ended up actually getting into cybersecurity ultimately and software development, which is where I currently work and, um, kind of, yeah, have this weird sort of mixture of theology and, um, computer science and, mm-hmm. um, and of course family. So I've got a yeah. uh, three boy, I'm about married, have three boys. Um, my wife is incredible, uh, Danny, um, my boys are nine, eight, and seven, and then we actually adopted twin girls here within the last uh, two years as well, so they're, they're t- two now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit about me.
1: Yeah, so you go ahead and tell us. You referenced the story about how you met Danny. I remember uh, over dinner, you guys shared the story. I thought that was it was pretty worthwhile. Yeah,
3: so I mean, we, we both grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, actually, in uh, kind of the west side in Goodyear, and we lived half a, wi- a mile away from each other. We had the same best friend, but we never met each other. Um, it wasn't until she came out, uh, to, to school, um, or or, her family actually moved out here, um, about eight years, I guess, before she actually went to school. Um, and then I went out to Tennessee for school. And at that point we, we met, um, I, I knew kind of who she was before I went out to college via this mutual best friend, but never really had a conversation with her or anything like that. But ultimately, um things things worked out but yeah it's kind of a crazy story we lived half a mile away from each other but had to come out to tennessee to sort of really meet yeah so
1: yeah half a mile away from each other shared a best friend yep never met right then met i by providence yeah in tennessee yep. while you were attending the same relatively small actually just small, small yeah it's college a small college that, absolutely that The Lord just placed you at at this yeah that's <laughs> that's pretty it, yeah it feels like the lord's hand directing that whole that whole process absolutely um yeah so uh we're gonna talk about this revelation class in just a minute but uh you taught another class for us um through the book of genesis what was the name of that it was it had a you had a very cool i thought it was a cool name
3: Do you yeah yeah i mean the themes in genesis looking at like kind of cosmic monsters and Rebellion and yeah, I actually, I came kind of blanking on what the title was exactly. Is but that yeah. Cosmic Rebels or
1: Rebellions? Or yeah,
3: something like that. I was intrigued. Um, yeah, you know, that's I mean, that's what titles are trying to do, you know. But uh, but yeah, it was it was a really fun class to teach for sure.
1: I, so I, <laughs> this was my experience of attending the class as a as a student. I went uh, the first the first week. Um, not not at all nervous, like I felt like you were sufficiently vetted. I wasn't concerned about your credentials or your theology or anything like that, but it's like, I've never heard this guy teach before, and he's teaching a class. We're going to see how this goes, um, and I think probably 20 minutes in, I thought, I've made a horrible mistake, but the mistake was, we should have promoted this class like crazy. There should be, the whole church should be in this class, <laughs> and then, because I, joy I learned so much. I, I mean, and that's just the, the first week, the amount of things I learned, and you know, I'm by no means a biblical scholar, but like, I did go to school for this. <laughs> and I learned so many things every single week sitting in that class. I was so encouraged, and i would I would drive home. This was happening during youth group, which is next class is happening during youth group yep. as well, which, Wednesdays are just a good night, but there yep. will be some distractions. Absolutely, the youth group is insane, so we'll. Just but that's what I like
3: to hear, you know. In Revelation, there's all these, you know, hymns and people singing and shouting, so it's going to fit really, really well with the backdrop of the book, anyway.
1: Yeah, I think it might sound more like the great dragon, <laughs> <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> the way the youth group sounds most of the time. But uh, so, but I would. So I came with my kids because my wife is a youth pastor. My kids are both in the youth group, and on the way on the way home, my daughter got in the habit of saying. Uh, Daddy, how was your mind blown this week? And I would tell them how my mind was blown this week. So, I, and it, it genuinely was. I was struck by the amount of things I learned from that class. It was just really, really exceptional. Yeah. Thank you so much. We got to do it again. Oh. Like, I don't know if you would mind. Doing I would it a love repeat. to do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's not what's next. What's next is we're going to work our way, uh, or you're going to work our way through the book of Revelation together. Um, so, uh, why Revelation? I mean, that's a that's a serious and bold undertaking. Um, I don't know if you're trying to cover all the bases, like a uh, Genesis
3: Revelation. You're trying yeah. to hit the bookends, but um, well, I mean. Revelation, in some ways, I guess, wasn't necessarily my choice. It kind of it kind of came down to after the Genesis class. It was really a discussion of, hey, well, what do we want to do next with the group that was even in the class at that particular time? Joey, you're and being th- humble. Uh, there was what happened was
1: the people after the class cornered you and said, "We want more. Will so, you teach us more?" Something like that. Yeah, but okay, that's neither For here
3: you. nor there. <laughs> it, it came down to what sort of topics would be of interest to particularly the individuals that were in that class to start with and not really surprisingly but you know revelation was was one that naturally people have tons and tons of questions about i have questions about mm-hmm. um and so it was uh i guess sort of backed by popular demand you might uh-huh. say um and the it was something on a personal level of course that was interesting to me uh, back in college i mean we had a, i sat through a kind of seminary level class on it and and that kind of thing but it's my theology has changed a lot since college even and it wasn't something that i had spent a lot of time really thinking about um in the last 10 years since since i was in that class so part of it was just hey i i kind of want to know a little bit more about where i land on some of the positions and some of the debates now 10 years later as sort of my sure. theology and perspective on things has changed and just wanting to, you know, be in the word and, and just learn and, um, and hopefully, uh, inspire others to, uh, love Jesus more through by, by knowing him better.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, man, I, I admire the audacity because, um, usually that when people say, will you teach on revelation? The right answer is just no, no, that's (laughs) for all the reasons, because it's so hotly debated because it's, I mean, there are, like, layers of abstraction and just mystery upon mystery, um, and people come into a discussion on Revelation, like, fully loaded. Yeah, absolutely. Like, or, or or they, you know, there are different things. There, it's People tend to avoid, uh, like, yeah, I read it, I got, like, four chapters in, I was totally lost, I stopped, and there's a part of me, I hear that, and I'm like, yeah, that's fair, I get it. Or there's other people who were like I fixated on it for years on end because I was determined that despite 2000 years of brilliant Christian thought I will be the one who cracks the code. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. And so man people come in either determined to avoid the subject, super like overly obsessed with the subject, or in many cases really terrified. Yeah. Um, and so most people, when they say, "Hey, can you teach about Revelation?" the answer is just, "Yeah, no, no I'm not going to do that." <laughs> so I appreciate you signing up. But you know what? Again, I guess I already asked the question, but what inclined you to say yeah. yes? And and maybe even about those particular approaches that people have to Revelation.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the, as you said, the topic is absolutely polarizing. The response to it is, I mean, you get it, it really varies. Um, and in most cases, it's generally extreme, either extreme avoidance or extreme fear mm-hmm. or extreme certainty um, mm-hmm. as to what it as to what the book means. And historically, when you look at the church, I mean Martin Luther, for example, like you know a, a bedrock of the Reformation, right? right and Martin Luther, he wanted the book thrown out of the canon <laughs> along with James by the way right and um, he, he said, I can't understand it, essentially, and whatever it says, uh, it does not preach Christ. Wow. Uh, John Calvin wrote Strong a commentary difficult. on every book of the Bible uh-huh. except the book of Revelation. Really? And so there's there's certainly been plenty of significant church figures um, throughout the life of Christianity that didn't quite know what to do with the book. And there's still uh, this is still very much uh, a thing today. So any adventure into the book of Revelation has to start with humility and understanding and gentleness and graciousness with our brothers and sisters who disagree Um, because there really isn't, like when you you look at the history of the church over the last 2000 years, everybody agrees that essentially what's in the creeds about Jesus being at the right hand of God and that Mm -hmm. he's going to come again to judge the living and the dead. Everybody agrees with that, but exactly what that will look like it really varies considerably over the last 2,000 years, and this is one of the things where, you know, if you pick up uh, So we have commentaries from on the uh-huh. book of Revelation from as early as 303 AD Oh my And if it's it's worth it at times to take a look back at some of the early church fathers and just sort of see what they Said about the book not because they're necessarily right, but because they don't make our mistakes they don't have the same framework. They don't have the same assumptions. You know, they don't, um, you know, today you might, uh, somebody might push back on a, on a critique or an interpretation of, of revelation because that's a, a liberal idea or uh-huh. because that's something that's trying to kind of sway somebody towards false doctrine. And, it, and it's helpful sometimes to kind of peel the curtain back a little bit some of the biases back, mm-hmm. some of the modern um, assumptions and just see what some of the early Christians thought about the book and how they understood it. And um, is there justification for some of the things that feel maybe like, no, you can't really understand the book that way. Like, like why would you do that? Right. So so history is, is really, really helpful in this respect, um, but not just Christian history. Part of this is, you know, over the last, Two hundred years, but really more than anything, the last fifty years, Christianity and the the study of history has that there's so many more resources to do this now than really at any mm-hmm. point in church history. So in the 1950s and 60s, for example, the the Dead Sea Scrolls right. became a thing, right? Um, and before those, uh, the oldest Old Testament, like complete Old Testament manuscript that we had of any book was 10th century AD oh my goodness um and and <laughs> because of the dead sea scrolls we have biblical texts like isaiah and others uh-huh. that are second century bc so i it mean it literally like 1200 years better yeah um so like those things and just the knowledge of history and the availability of resources and in some ways the technological um ability now to kind of mine some of those resources and have access to them because historically and most of them were in syria and syriac or ancient ethiopic or you mm-hmm. know just languages even that that not even really biblical scholars most biblical scholars really you know knew or were aware of um so there's just an it's it's a great time within human history to be able to understand the book on its on its own terms because we've never been able to understand john's day better
1: well what i'm hearing you say it's and it's a combination that's actually pretty rare which is a big part of the reason why I'm happy for you to teach this class is you're saying, let's let's acknowledge the fact that we have better scholarship and better resources available than we ever had at any time, but at the same time, let's not be guilty of what... Um, C.S. Lewis I think he called it chronological snobbery where we just mm-hmm. assume we're smarter than the mm-hmm. generation before absolutely. us before us and before us and that's actually that's a, that's not correct. And we can go, yeah, okay, we know a lot more than we did 1700 years ago when that first commentary was written, but we're also 1700 more years removed from the audience to whom it was originally written. And people tend to pick one of those or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're like right out of the gate you're saying we're, we're actually not going to do that we're going to take both of those things we're going to we're going to go way back and we're going to use all the resources that we have available to us now i find that really encouraging
3: yeah i mean the way that i'm going to try to approach the class honestly um is this uh, i think a decent illustration is actually star wars believe it or not i mean i know revelation has like stars falling from heaven and things like that right. but, but that's not what we're talking about but you know there, there's this really iconic um picture you know it's a meme like everything's memes now right right of uh of you know darth vader saying to luke you know i am your father right right? and if you if you kind of know that story you know that picture is maybe coming to mind so just if if you're familiar with that picture just try to hold it in your mind for a second and as you look at that picture you're gonna fall into one of three groups. Either you're completely, like you have no clue what I just said, and that's fine, that this mm-hmm. illustration will still work awesomely, right? Uh, or number two, maybe like you're like, okay, yeah, I've sort of heard of Star Wars, I've maybe seen a little bit of it, but I still don't quite know what you're talking about. Or maybe you're part of a group that's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can picture that thing in my head, I get the reference. Yeah. So if we think about that like kind of first group of having no clue what's what I'm even talking mm-hmm. about right now, if I was to describe this picture of this, uh, figure wearing this black suit. He's got this black mask on. There's this sort of metallic lights in the background. And then there's this other figure. He's got this wound on his left eye, this kind of bruise thing. And he's wearing this sort of tan jumpsuit. And he's he seems to be crying on top of this sort of metallic pedestal. Um, as you look at that picture, given enough time, like we inherently will try to understand and interpret things that we encounter through the lenses and the categories that we have and given enough time you throw some people in a room you look at something you obsess about it whatever um, you're going to be able to come up with a logically coherent story that can make sense of every single detail in that picture Mm -hmm. um so you might say oh because it's archetypal is what we're saying i mean it's well it's it's, there's whenever we look at something we're just inherently going to try to make sense of it yeah and so when i when i see this figure that is wearing this dark mask um Mm -hmm. You know what's going on here is is he's got a whole a whole bodysuit too so is this like mm-hmm. covid 2055 kind <laughs> of a thing right like is this uh, yeah. or um no maybe he, he looks kind of fairly robotic right uh-huh. so is this like ai robots and they've uh-huh. created this factory in space where they're they're reproducing and this is one of the last humans that's trying to to undo and save the human race but it looks like he's losing because he's crying and he looks a little beaten up uh-huh. um and and here's the thing: if you know the story, um, what I just said sounds ridiculous, right um, but the the whole thing is why? why does it sound ridiculous? And it comes down to three things: you know the story behind the picture, uh-huh. right the story behind the story, and the second thing is you know the framework in which that story is actually centered so you know okay. like the force and the uh-huh. light side and the dark side we have a context and, for it. yeah there's a context and uh-huh. that framework and that story actually changes and shapes the language that's used so if I talk about dark side I'm not talking about the backside of the moon I'm not talking mm-hmm. about the psychological inner dark side within uh, right. Vader or somebody else right I'm talking about like the dark side of the force like that's a thing mm-hmm. and you as you as you do this you can play with references and still understand what's going on. So if I say like, Luke, I'm your daddy. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the line from the movie, uh-huh. right? It's not Luke, I am your father. It's this iconic, no, I am your father, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we we can allow for the language to be Uh, a bit fluid and still make sense of what's going on Uh, there's even cases where like we don't even actually have to use proper grammar so for example like if i throw this line out of like much to learn you still have Uh, yes you know it's it's (laughs) it's it's yoda right of course and uh and so like we can we, we can play with the language in really interesting ways and yet you still understand the reference if you know the story behind the story, you know the framework. And the last thing is you kind of have to know something of the history. Like you have to know that you're dealing with sci-fi fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to know that like somebody turns around and says, look, in the 1970s, clearly we ruled the galactic Galactic empire. (laughs) And we are being lied to, right? Uh We have forgotten who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you were there in the 1970s, like I, I went to the premiere. Like, uh, I, like I saw this in theaters like, like you know George Lucas and you know, like like so history is this sort of grounding thing as well so you have to know those three things you got to know the story behind the story you have to know the framework within that story and then you have to know something of the history and if and that's what we inherently do like when I show if, if you look at this picture of you know vader or whatever like that's what you do you know the story behind it you know the framework you know the history at least to some extent Mm -hmm. and that's what we have to do with with revelation so john there's a story behind it um and that story is all coming from just tons of passages in the old testament um if you ask scholars okay how many different like illusions or things like that in the book of revelation you've got like scholars on one side of the thing who have like a really strict uh criteria for what what constitutes an illusion and they'll say okay look on average there's like one out of every three verses in revelation is pulling something from the old testament which is on average at least three times more than all of paul's corpus that sounds like a lot it's a lot Yeah. yeah and uh, and if people have a little bit more fluid uh, definition of an illusion, it's something like at least three every verse, well over a oh, thousand. Wow. So, so John is just constantly pulling references. It's like if you know The Office or something like that, you're just constantly quoting things from The Office and combining them. And it, and it makes sense if you know the story behind right. the story. But if you don't, it's just odd. It's so the lost. idea
1: is if we can piece together the history the story, the framework, yep. then these really weird pictures can start to mean something yeah. that we can have some confidence that, that that's a valid understanding.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't mean that there's always 100% certainty that like, okay, sure. this is the right thing and we know exactly what's being said here. But it, it allows us to make sense of things that are otherwise very obscure mm-hmm. and ultimately... There's no grounding point to really assess whether one interpretation is actually more valid than the other. Mm. And that's why, in particular in America over the last 200 years, there's this kind of revolving door with revelation where, mm. okay, nope, it means it's referring to World War II, or nope, yep. it's the Korean War, or it's the Cold War, or it's, you know. And these
1: things are often said with absolute certainty.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Or it's Y2K or COVID uh-huh. or, you know, whatever it is. So um, th- we need to have some kind of a grounding. And I think trying to understand the story behind the story of the Old Testament, trying to understand the framework and something of the history of John's day um, allows us to, to do that.
1: Yeah. John, by the way, the author yes. Of, of Yes, yes,
3: the author of Revelation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's really, really helpful. Um, it, it gives me a sense of hope, honestly, because, I mean, you, you're reading, okay, so this is apocalyptic literature, tricky. And it's, it's a vision that's being had. Mm-hmm. It's a vision that's being had of a spiritual reality that we can't really see or understand. Mm-hmm. Or, so there's like there's a couple layers of abstraction. Um, uh, written in a different language, there's another layer. Written a couple thousand years ago, there's another layer. And then mm-hmm. at about, that was five, I think. At about two, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I, don't, yeah. um, I tap. But what you're saying is like, there's actually a way. There's a systematic way to give us a, at least a grid to approach this. And it's not just, well, to use a word, eisegesis, mm-hmm. where, which is where you look at the scripture and it's just Joey Bruno's interpretation based on the mood that he's in or his personal experience mm-hmm. or whatever. There's, there's actually a framework that is accessible, that can be used, that allows us to draw some real information.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would want to really say that that framework is, it's a story. It, it's not a, it's not so much a system as it is a story, and that's that's really where um, I would want to to really cement things is within Israel's long story and the culmination of that story, and you know that that's where these kind of words like apocalyptic or uh, uh, apocalypse, right? John, mm-hmm. this this book is called an apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, or a prophecy is another thing that's called in uh, Revelation one three, mm-hmm. and and you know what do those words even mean, because our default setting for when we hear those words is like end of the world, it's future yes. um scary yes yeah, scary. abstract confusing yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. um, but when you start to look at those words a little bit like let's take apocalyptic or uh, apocalypse to start with um, Paul, when he has that experience on the Damascus road, he calls that an apocalypse mm. so say more yeah same word and so it's not like an apocalypse is not something that's inherently always future. It It's this sort of picture, like you kind of get in the book of Job really, where the curtain gets pulled back and you get to see what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of figures in that space, right? It's not just God. Mm-hmm. You have Yahweh and you have a divine council yep. and you have other figures, positive figures, negative figures. Um, and you, you are seeing the interaction amongst those figures. And this is actually really where the word like prophecy actually comes in. So a prophet in the Old Testament by definition actually wasn't somebody who could tell the future necessarily, um, a prophet in the Old Testament was somebody who was permitted to stand in the heavenly divine council. Mm. So Moses gets this sort of uh, applied to him to start with because on sinai the whole picture that's happening on sinai is this marriage of heaven and earth this Mm -hmm. connection that's why the whole mountain's on fire there's this Mm -hmm. theophany yeah um and so moses it says is is literally in the presence of god right and he, and up on Sinai, Yahweh is showing him the heavenly temple, the heavenly tabernacle. And he's giving sort of blueprints to that, which he's ultimately Mm -hmm. going to use to build the earthly tabernacle and ultimately will be used to inform Solomon's temple. So Moses is this, initial picture of what a prophet is someone who is permitted to stand within the divine council and to participate in God's heavenly realm. Um, you see this exact same thing with Isaiah where, uh, he is brought up to heaven. And the question is, okay, well, who will go for us? Mm-hmm. And Isaiah says, send me, right? Mm-hmm. So he's actually participating in that council and John yeah, right. exactly the same thing is, is There's happening. It's a deliberation, yeah.
1: and he's welcomed into it. Yeah, it's absolutely. very strange and kind of encouraging at the same time yeah yeah
3: yeah so so that's a little bit of a foretaste of what this sort of apocalyptic um, or, or prophecy referred to we, we we're not gonna kind of necessarily get away from the idea that they are by default things that are talking about the future mm-hmm. and are at least sometimes like Paul in his Damascus experience or Isaiah or Moses um, uh, a picture of what is happening now behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really helpful. I, one of the things I wanted to hit on with you, Joey, is you, I was really encouraged in the Genesis class on a couple of fronts, but one of them was, as you approach this, you're in just an incredibly high value of Scripture. It seemed obvious to me that you, you just trusted in the authority of God's Word, and yet um your confidence in the words authority did not equate to your absolute confidence in your own authority or your own interpretations. And I, I sensed a tremendous amount of humility that says, hey, there's more than one valid perspective here. And you, and you might say, I don't know which I actually prefer, or I kind of lean this way. Or I even noticed a couple of times you would just lay them out. Some people think this, others this, others this. And then you moved on because mm-hmm. I'm assuming you saw relatively equal validity in each you mm-hmm. didn't feel the need and you just let the authority of scripture go. But then with, with humility, I think there's a mindset that goes, if I really, if the Bible is really authoritative, then we have all the answers. Um, I understand the heart behind that, but that's like super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really makes us the authority mm-hmm. and not scripture, the authority. Mm-hmm. And so because I experienced that in your class again and again, high view of scripture, high humility, when we started having a conversation about revelation i was like okay well i'll actually have this conversation about you teaching this class because i'm i'm so confident that you're not going to say i have the final word this is exactly what it is to be so would you speak about that i mean there are different interpretations there are there are kind of schools of thought Mm -hmm. are you gonna are you gonna pick one and you know yeah, Just put down an anchor. How are you going to approach all that? Yeah, sure.
3: Uh, so there's plenty of thoughts and plenty of systems, obviously, around revelation. You've if you're familiar at all with some of the terminology of like all millennialism or premillennialism yeah. or postmillennialism, or you have like historic premill or or dispensational premillennialism. Lots all of these, big intimidating lots, lots words. Lots of big words. That's yeah. right. Um, the point of this class is not going to be to argue for any one of those specific frameworks Um, we'll get into some of that like Mm -hmm. inherently as you start to uh, dissect some of the passages and things like that you that will inevitably push you towards like gravitating to certain um, pieces i should say pieces of certain systems yeah um but really we want to take a step back and and Try to understand Revelation a little bit more on its own terms, and through the lens, in particular, of the Old Testament, because you know so many of the things that we ascribe by default to the Book of Revelation, like the four horsemen of the Apocalypse, right? Uh-huh. Out of Revelation, the classic one, right? That's coming out of the Book of Zechariah, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> or the the constant language of uh, the defeat of death, right? Mm-hmm. That's all from Isaiah, mm. so. Rather than trying to talk about systems, we really need to talk about story and the Old Testament passages and and what John is is doing with them. And as we do that, we we won't always come to a black and white conclusion of right. what exactly he's doing here, because sometimes it it isn't clear. Um, and this is actually something that was recognized really early within the the church. Like we have writings from. Uh, around two fifty six a d of some of the early church fathers complaining about john 's mm-hmm. Greek um, of how it's barbaric because he's clear he's writing in Greek but he 's writing Greek as if it was Hebrew and he 's mm-hmm. thinking in entirely Hebraic not Greek mm-hmm. modes of of thought in this case Jewish thought mm-hmm. so um, so yeah as we do that and we try to understand what 's going on with John um, at various points it will come down to, Hey, here's some, some possible, uh, interpretations for this passage. And here's some of the implications for, for which of the viewpoints you decide to take. But there's still plenty of passages in revelation where I don't know what is the right answer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I've changed my mind a bunch on, on some of them. And I hope that I continue to change my mind going forward. Um, mm. because, because you're still learning, we're still You're learning. still learning. Yeah. yeah. And as we have new, um, we, we get new information, there's new sort of clarity experience, just everything that's kind of part of that. Interpretations um, change. And that's that's not something to, I think to be scary about because ultimately at the end of the day, Revelation is, is pretty clear. Jesus wins, uh-huh, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> and, but exactly how he wins and exactly what Revelation is talking about, your interpretation of that does actually have real world impact Mm -hmm. it really impacts your view of god Mm -hmm. it really impacts your view of the world like Mm -hmm. is all of it just going to go up in a big flame Mm -hmm. he's just going to torch the whole thing um there's a lot of implications there and so interpretation really does matter and understanding the options really does really does Mm -hmm. matter but we can hold those things somewhat loosely at various points without yeah. the whole thing coming, crashing down. Yeah, that's right.
1: So, Joe, you and I are in a uh, group of guys who read the Bible together. Uh, I don't know how many, 15 or so of us. And uh, not too long ago, our Bible reading plan took us through Revelation. Mm-hmm. Were, these are, I think, mostly, if not entirely, guys in our church. Yep. Um, I had three separate guys reach out to me as we were heading into Revelation and just in just full transparency say, hey, I'm literally afraid. I have, And we're just going to read it. We're just going through it. And yeah. at a pretty pretty quick pace, too. Yeah. It's not like we're really digging in. It's like, right. a pretty quick place. We're going to read through Revelation and then keep going to the next thing. And I had three separate guys, grown men, <laughs> say, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm literally afraid because I haven't touched this book in a long time because I was traumatized by it or I was traumatized I, more accurately by the sermons I heard about yeah. it or the yeah. interpretations I heard about it. Um, so if somebody say, hey, I'm, I'm intrigued by the class, but but if uh, if we're honest, there's a good number of people who go, I'm honestly afraid to mm-hmm. attend that class. What, what would you say to those folks?
3: I would say that this is probably the class that you've always hoped for, honestly. Amen. Um, Revelation has been probably abused more than most books, at least in in the Bible, in terms of its its message and the pictures that are painted in it. Um, there are so many stories I can think of of conversations I've had with people or just some variation of that of just not being able to reconcile this sort of picture of Jesus in the Gospels, of of a Jesus who's saying, the First or last, the last or first, love your enemies, don't go one mile with them, go two miles with them. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this picture of Jesus who's literally crying over Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. Um, and how do you square that with really this, this twofold thing of the God of the Old Testament, which is mm-hmm. one of them, like, and then the Jesus of Revelation looks an awful lot like that God, right? Sword just
1: out of the mouth, yeah, just weird these tattoo on his leg, yeah, <laughs> fire in his eyes and and
3: and you see this get picked up you know plenty in in christian culture too you know mark driscoll has some famous comments on this um so does doug wilson i mean his whole book is uh entitled when the man comes around Mm. um and so you there really is this general sense of ah jesus yes the the Lamb of God slain, but also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And yeah. we saw the lamb in the gospels, and now we're gonna see the lion in Revelation. That's right. And very common. Yeah. And I, I think revelation, part of what John is doing in his strategy, is he's giving you these pictures. And these pictures in many ways come from um what John sees in the Roman Empire. Um uh Domitian for example, is famous for riding on his white horse as mm. he comes to do battle um, and yet there's these subtle but so important twists that John has on these pictures of like for example the the kind of famous one in Revelation 19 of Jesus coming and riding this this white horse um, and yet he's covered in blood before Mm. the battle even starts yeah Um, and he has this the the word there for like this sword is this sort of short um roman sword but it's not really a sword it's it's the the sword actually looks like a tongue and that's Mm -hmm. that's why it's coming out of its mouth um it's it's just a word Mm. um and he's covered in blood because back in revelation chapter 5 he was john john saw this picture of this lamb. And there, there was this really important contrast where John, he's, he's up in this divine council scene up in this throne room and, and he is hearing this announcement that the lion, the tribe of Judah has conquered. That's what John hears. And then John flips it because when he turns around, he sees a, a lamb that was slain. And so John is, is, he, he's not saying that jesus is sometimes the lion sometimes the lamb he's always both yeah, at the right. same time he's the victorious conquering king who did so by giving up his life he conquered death not by escaping from it but by going through it yeah that's
1: right yeah i'm so glad to hear you say those things i mean i knew you were going to say those things because I've, I've heard you talk about these concepts before and it's so important for us to realize this idea of of jesus as the sacrificial lamb uh, it's just the ultimate beacon of love and kindness revelation does not roll those ideas back it takes those ideas further Mm -hmm. and um and i'm really excited that that you're going to lead us through that and help help highlight the beauty of something that has been lost and i think mislabeled as something
3: terrifying and to be avoided yeah 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 absolutely and if i mean if you're listening to this and you're sort of wanting to get sort of some picture of what this class might be like before you take the plunge and, and sign up, although the, you, there's no, uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, to yeah, just sign I mean up. There, there's there's no commitment here. You know, mm-hmm. we're not. To, yeah, it's it's pretty easy. But the two things I would encourage you to take a look at are uh, the Bible Project has a number of great videos. They have this whole sort of I think it's a four or five part uh, series on spiritual beings. I would mm-hmm. say, hey, take a look at that. To start with, because what we're gonna see in Revelation four and five, and even in Revelation one, all sort of assumes that framework. So I mentioned before with the Star Wars thing that there that part of you thing you have to know is the story behind the story, and the other thing you have to know is the framework of that story. Yeah. And those those videos of spiritual beings by the Bible Project do a great job of giving the framework that is assumed. Yeah in Revelation four and five. And then the second thing also by the Bible Project is they have a, a two part uh, little series on Revelation. I think each video is like six minutes, so mm-hmm. it's pretty digestible. Um, but the the sort of narrative approach that um, that is given in that presentation is quite similar in many ways to the, to the sort of approach that the class will take as well. So if you want to know what you're sort of signing up for, where, you're, where things are going, those two things by the Bible Project would be a great resource. They're
1: really helpful. We'll link to both of them in the show notes. So yeah. you, if, you're, if you're listening, you can just click right on that, um, and we'll take you straight there to it. especially the, the Spiritual Being series that you're talking about. You, you may watch those and go, wait a minute, is this like historic orthodox christianity and the answer is yeah it is we just don't ever talk about it
3: right yeah
1: um and so in case you think we're pulling you off into some crazy unheard of stuff we're not um and the bible project isn't um
3: mm-hmm. yeah the bible project is very just, mainstream
1: that for sure for sure um but those are subjects that have are so rarely discussed yeah. that it seems like this entirely new teaching and in fact it's very old yeah um well, I, man, I'm really looking forward to this. So we mentioned signing up earlier. Sign up is open now. It's a VineyardChurch.us. You can kind of follow the prompts uh, from there and help me remember. I think I have this right. It starts on the 17th. Yep. It's a Wednesday night. Yep. For seven weeks. Yes. From seven to
3: eight thirty till it's over. Yeah, seven yeah, and, and we'll, we'll say we'll say seven ish, you know, weeks. Um, uh huh. Yeah. So we we, we <laughs> I did think this. We with, took the Genesis. We, we did. Uh, yeah. Next um, and, week. <laughs> and you know, people. People are not going to have any questions in the Book of Revelation. You know, we, we yeah, want want to right. be as dull and lecture formatted as possible, and so um, we don't. We we we're going to stick very firmly to our schedule of seven week No, so if we go a week or two beyond that, uh, obviously, again, there's there's no commitment here. You can go to one of these. You can go to every one of these, um, but ultimately, we want to make sure that people's questions are hopefully in some way at least start to be answered and in order to do that well we need to allow time for that and so we're going to be a little bit flexible on the exact schedule of what this looks like
1: yeah we'll just we'll just do what it takes yeah yeah joe i know you've put an enormous amount of time into this i i watch your eyes light up when you talk about the commentaries coming i know this i know that you love this and yet it's still a tremendous amount of work i'm really really grateful and thanks for taking time to talk to us thank you so much all right